at Berean Fellowship, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our prayer for each of us, that as we view life in light of what Scripture teaches about God and Jesus our King, that we would experience and enjoy a greater measure of God's grace and peace. Our natural tendency, as we talked about last week, is to view God in light of what's going on around us. We let the storms of life, the floods, the, the, the billowing of the sea, the perils that we're in, our tendency is to let them shape our view of God rather than letting what Scripture teaches about God shape our view of the turmoils that we're in. If life is chaotic, our tendency is to think that that's the way God is, that he's chaotic, that he's not in control, that things are outside of his control. If our lives are in turmoil, our lives are being pounded by the waves of this world, we tend to think that God is indifferent to, that he doesn't care about the things that are taking place in our lives. And if there are challenges before us, we tend to see those challenges as immovable objects that can't be overcome. We, we tend to view life as, 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 as those obstacles as God is small and our problems are big. We find ourselves much like the children of Israel as they were making their way to the promised land, having been rescued by a gracious God from their bondage in Egypt. They had made it to the borders of the promised land. This was early on in their journey. And Moses sent 12 spies in to spy out the land, to bring back a report so that the, the children of Israel might be encouraged with what they saw in the promised land. And they come back after 40 days of being in the promised land, and, and you remember that the Bible says in Numbers 13 that they said, indeed, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. And they even brought back some of the produce of the land. Uh, you know, a pole had, a, it had a, a cutting of grapes on it that was so heavy that it took two people to carry it. But then you remember what they followed up with. They said, the land which we have gone in as spies is a good land, but it devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, men of great height. There are giants in the land, they said, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's how we tend to be. We tend to view God in light of the problems in front of us. We think that our problems are so big and God is so small. And it was Isaiah who comes on the scene and he encourages to reorient our thinking. He says in Isaiah chapter 40, he says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning have you not understand from the very foundations of the earth that it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like what? Grasshoppers to him. So he says God is big 
and everything else is small in comparison. So it, it puts things in perspective when we see the perils, the turmoil, the, the, the chaos that we face, the crisis, the pandemic, when we, when we look at that in view of what Scripture teaches about God. And this morning, the psalmist reminds us of that very truth. He encourages us to reorder our thinking, to view life in light of what God's word reveals about God. Because if we don't, we'll miss the grace and the peace. We'll miss the comfort that God intends for us to draw from him in the midst of our experiences, our uncertainty, our insecurities and turmoil. So let's read Psalm 93. Starts out in verse 1 The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. And surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from old, and you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Let's pray. Father, we ask, Lord, this morning that you would encourage, Lord, your people, that you would minister to us, Lord, by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, the result of that, Lord, is that we would, Lord, have our minds reordered, reoriented, Lord, to be able to view, Lord, the challenges that we face in this life, Lord, through the knowledge of who you are that we learn from Scripture. And that, Lord, that we would be comforted and that your grace and your peace would abound toward your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember, when we laid out the outline for this last week, Remember that in verses 1 and 2, the psalmist makes a proclamation about God's power. And this proclamation is simply this, that the Lord reigns. That's the first thing he starts off with. So he, he lifts our eyes up to the throne of God, and he wants us to know that, that we serve a God who reigns. He's king. And then he follows that up with two pictures to illustrate that truth, that he's a warrior king fighting on behalf of his people. Remember, he's clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely, his word is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. So the first picture is that he is this warrior king. He sits upon a throne, but he's a warrior king, and he fights and he battles on behalf of his people. He's a sovereign king is the second picture. His throne is from everlasting. He's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning and the end. And everything is under his authority. Everything is under his control. Nothing is outside of his control. And so only after the psalmist firmly fixes our eyes on the king, that he's a mighty warrior and that he's sovereign over all things, only then, after he firmly fixes his eyes on that, does he then move and shift his gaze to the turmoil of this, war, this world. In verse 3, he says, The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their, their waves, their roaring. 
And so what you have here is the psalmist, as he moves from the throne of God, he's firmly fixed our eyes there, and he shifts his gaze to the reality of this fallen world that we live in. He gives us this picture of an intense, dangerous storm at sea. The waves are billowing. They are are surging. They are swelling. And then they come crashing down. And the passenger who is on the ship is being tossed to and fro, and his life is in danger. His life is fragile. And so life is being depicted here by the psalmist as storm-tossed, filled with turmoil, filled with danger. Now, we don't know. The psalmist doesn't tell us what specific peril that he's referring to. It, it may have been a, a military battle, and the outcome may have been uncertain, right? I mean, it could have been, you know, David's uh, forces, his armies, and they're backed, you know, into a, uh, in, in, up against the wall, and, and they're not certain if they're going to survive this, kind of like when you watch the Lord of the Rings, right, and they're at Helm's Deep. And there they are, as Gandalf's forces hold up there in Helm's Deep, and Saruman's army comes down over the hill, and they surround him on all sides, right? And, and, and it's that picture there filled with danger. The, the outcome is uncertain, and the outcome almost seems like it's probably going to end in certain destruction for God's people. But notice that the psalmist doesn't leave us in this place of uncertainty there of the storm-tossed ocean. He starts off with the throne of God, and then he gives us a picture of of what real life looks like in a fallen world. It's storm-tossed. The sea bellows, it surges, it swells, it comes crashing on our heads. We don't know if we're going to survive it as we look at it out from a horizontal perspective. But then his gaze moves back to the king's throne. The problems and the perils of life are bracketed by God's throne. And he says in verse 4, The Lord on high is mightier than the noise, than the thunders of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. So life in this fallen world, the psalmist paints a real picture, is storm-tossed. It's full of turmoil. But then he sets his gaze back up and reminds us that God is mightier than the storms. William Cooper wrote an old hymn that we're familiar with, and he captures this truth in the hymn. He says that God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Now, think about that for a second. If God were to plant his footsteps on sand or in the mud, we'd be able to see them. We'd be able to have evidence and know that God is there with us, right? But that's not what Cooper says in the hymn. He says he plants his footsteps in the sea, and we can't see footsteps in the sea, meaning that we can't see his coming or going. It reminds us of the scripture that Don't you hate those moments where you remember those scriptures and then all of a sudden you forget those scriptures? Just have one of those moments. So we'll just let that one go for now. 
But the point that he makes here in this psalm, in this hymn, is that God plants his footsteps in the sea, and we can't see his coming or going. We, we, can't, we can't see that he's there in the midst of the storm that we're in. It means that stuff is happening, and we don't know why it's happening. And, and at times, we're tempted to think that we don't even know if God is there, right? Because we can get so overwhelmed, so consumed with whatever problem it is that we're facing. Have you ever asked the question, Lord, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? What's going to happen to me? Lord, Lord, what's going on? Lord, are you even here? Well, Cooper captures those questions, but he doesn't leave us there. He says he plants, God plants his footsteps in the sea, and then what? And he rides upon the storm. And that's the same answer that the psalmist gives us in verse 4, that the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. The Lord is sovereign, is what he's saying over the storm. The Lord is in control of the storm. And that's a powerful comfort to the believer in the midst of the, the problems that we're facing, that God does not abandon his people to the waves, to the storms of life, to just let them carry us where they might, where they will. But God is in control. And the ultimate outcome of that storm is all in his control as he allows it to come into our lives. These storms don't come into our lives. The floods don't overtake us outside of God's sovereign control. And the psalmist wants us to be comforted by that. You know, many of the hymns, we sang one this morning, right, that remind us of this truth. And we sang this morning, it is well with my soul. Uh, the lyrics go that when sorrows like sea billows roll, it captures that idea of Psalm 73 with the, with the floods, right, overtaking us. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, what? It is well. It is well with my soul. So the hymn causes us to pull back from the problems, from the sea billow, sea that's billowing, that's, that's surging and heaping and coming and crashing upon our head and to lift up our eyes to the throne of God and to be reminded that God is sovereign over whatever the storm might be in my life. When we sing, there's another hymn that we sing on occasion, my hope is built on nothing less. And it goes like this, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the what? In the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And so these hymns capture the same truth that the psalmist is, is bringing to us this morning in Psalm 93. The floods have lifted up, O oh Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. They have lifted up their waves and are crashing upon us. And then he causes us to lift up our eyes to the throne of God where we're reminded that it is all as well with my soul because God is in control. And so we're not promised in these hymns, we're not promised in this psalm that we won't experience turmoil in this life, that we won't experience trouble in this life. These hymns, 
by these godly men. This, this psalm gives us a realistic depiction of life in a fallen world that we are not in control. And if there's anything that's come out of this that, that's maybe a good thing, there's many good things that have come out of this pandemic uh, that we're facing. One is that it reminds us that life is fragile. Life is fragile. It also reminds us, and, and, and knowing that life is fragile has a tendency to confront us with our own mortality that what's going to happen to us when we die? What is the means by which I'll be able to stand before my creator? Has he made provision for that? It causes us to grapple with big questions of eternal life and the gospel. It also causes us to think about the fact that we're, we're not in control. God is big. We're small. I, I can't stop this coronavirus by myself. Life here is, is storm-tossed. It's, it's full of turmoil, but the Lord on high is mightier than the billowing waves that come crashing down on us. He is the sovereign king. He's in control of the storms, and that's a comfort to the believer that I don't have control over all these things that come into my life. And God hasn't asked me to have control over them. And what he has asked me to do is to lift up my eyes and to look from where my help comes from, that he is an ever-present help in time of need. God is in control of this crisis that we're in, and he's even in control of this virus. He's in control of our lives, in the book of Job, we're reminded that God has determined, he's, he's determined the number of our days. It says that he has appointed our limits and that we cannot pass. God controls our beginning and our end. He's in control of our jobs. And I know there's a lot of uncertainty about our, our jobs and, and unemployment and our economy and our 401ks and uh, but he's in control of all those things. He's even in control of our leaders, leaders in our, at city level, state level, federal level, world level. He's in control of our leaders. The proverb says in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wills. So even the king, Romans 13 tells us that the governors have been appointed by God, Right? The kings have been appointed by God. They're under his authority. So no matter what our trial might be, no matter what our insecurity or uncertainty, no matter what, our, what might be overwhelming us this morning, maybe it's not the virus, the pandemic, and all the uncertainty. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's some relationship. Maybe it's other health matters. But whatever might be overwhelming us this morning, the psalmist tells us what? That the Lord on high is mightier. Whatever the flood is that's beating upon us, the Lord is mightier. The Lord on high is mightier than anything that we are encountering. And that is comforting 
to his people. You remember in Mark's gospel, he reminds us of this. You remember that Jesus and the disciples had been out and ministering all day long, and they decided they were going to cross over the Sea of Galilee, and so they got into this little small boat, and, um, and it said that a great windstorm arose. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 37. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat. Doesn't that kind of sound similar to the psalm, the floods? And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. It says, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. So there in the midst of the storm, that little boat is being tossed. The waves are bellowing, surging up, and the ship is going up and down and is taking on water. And they awoke him. And they said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Doesn't that sound like us in the midst of life's troubles? Storms are raging around us, problems and perils of life and turmoils of life. And, and we think, God, do you not care that we're perishing in the midst of this? We're, we're going down. And Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's a good word to you and I, right? We're like that dad in the New Testament. Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And it said that they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, he's the one that the psalmist is referring to, that the Lord reigns. And the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. And lastly, the psalmist makes a pronouncement in, in verse 5 about God's character to bring even more comfort to God's people. He says, your testimonies or your decrees are very sure. They're trustworthy. Holiness adorns your house O Lord, forever. What's the pronouncement here that the psalmist is making about God and his character? That he's not only a warrior king who battles on behalf of his people, he's not only mightier than anything that we might encounter, whatever floods and perils and turmoil that comes to our lives, but he's also trustworthy and he's holy. He says his testimonies, his decrees are trustworthy. I don't know about you, but that's a comforting truth about God. You think about how much disinformation, misinformation has been coming out, whether it comes from the media, whether it comes from world leaders. Uh, and, and, and the end result of all that is that it leaves us confused. It leaves us just wringing our hands, and we're worrying because we don't know what the truth is. We're, we're tossed to them. It's almost like they unleash another flood upon us with Wrong information. But the psalmist tells us that we can trust God's word. He will always tell the truth. What he says is trustworthy. In other words, we can count on him. We can count on what he says. You can bank on it. And we need that. We need something sure, something solid, something trustworthy in the midst of 
confusing times and times of turmoil. And the psalmist tells us that we can find that in God's word. He is trustworthy. And he is trustworthy not just some of the time, but all the time. And then the psalmist tells us a last thing about God. He says, holiness adorns your throne. I'm sorry, holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. So one of the things that God is doing in the midst of trials and tribulations, in the midst of the perils that we face, the turmoils that we experience in this fallen world, is he's teaching us to trust him, right? Because life is uncertain. We're not in control. And there's only one that we can trust, and that's him. But but he's also teaching us not only that God is trustworthy, but that God is holy, meaning that God is good, that he always does what's right and what's good for his people. And so we can trust that God is using this crisis for our good. It's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He says, and we know that what all things, not just some things, but all things, pandemics, marriage problems, financial problems, job insecurities, I don't care what it is, God works all things together for what? For good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. So God is using all this. There's good that comes out of the bad in the midst of all this. Yeah, people are dying, and that's horrible. Our, our people are, are vulnerable. There, there's some people that are more vulnerable than others, and we want to watch out for them. We want to take care of them. We want to uh, care for them. We want to love our neighbors. But at the end of the day, the big picture that's coming out of this is that God is using this to conform his people to the image of God. And that might simply be by teaching us just to love our next-door neighbor, by going over and asking are there needs that they have, reaching out to those within our church family to find out what their needs are. Because at the end of the day, what has God called his people to do? What is the, what is the whole law summed up in? Love God, love others. And so if we come out of this and we've learned to trust the Lord a little bit more, we've learned to love others, to be patient, to be gracious, to be kind, to be caring with others, then God has worked this together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's used it to conform us to the image of his son. And so with that, I'm going to close and ask Jason and Hannah to come back up and close us in the communion song. And so if you have the elements before you, we would encourage you to pass those out at this point. And we're going to take them together in just a moment. And we would also say, if you're watching this and you're not a believer, we would ask you to let the juice and the the, uh, cracker pass by because this is something for God's people. For those who are in covenant relationship with him, his blood-bought people, by which we remember what he's done for us.